of Upside Down. Here we go. church today. My name is Abby. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you're joining us this weekend. And I want to start with a special shout out to not just everyone joining us online, but everyone joining us at our Hocassin location today. Journey, help me give it up for everybody at Hocassin. We're so glad that you're joining us this weekend. And it's going to be a great one around here now. Pastor Mark had planned to be here with us this weekend, but unfortunately he is not feeling well. So um, I know I got to talk with him even a little bit earlier this morning. I know he misses you. He wants to be here. He's looking forward to being back next weekend as we wrap up this series. And then the first weekend in November, we're kicking off a brand new series called At The Movies, which is, yeah, so are you excited about that? That is one of the best opportunities that we have to invite everyone we know to experience God um, here at The Journey and watch some movies in church, right? does not get much better than that. So we're excited about that. But this series is, is all about really helping you change the way that you see your, your everyday, ordinary life and really help you paint, you know, really get a picture of what God has for you and the way that you can make a difference in the world around you, no matter who you are, what your background is, or what you believe. And so if you missed week one of this series, I want to encourage you, check that out on our YouTube channel. It's called Growing Through the Motions. And, and last week, we learned that part of the reason this whole church thing exists is to create environments where we can grow spiritually, no matter what our background is. And growth really happens when we make it a habit, and we put some of those habits into practice. And so today we're going to talk about how some of those habits can lead to a changed life, the, the changed life of other people around us and, and our changed life as well. And so we're going to uh, talk about this idea of connection, some things that just go together. So I thought that uh, especially this early on a Sunday morning, we get some crowd participation, okay? So we're going to talk about some connections this morning, and I need you guys to respond back to me. Are you ready? I don't believe you. Maybe everyone at Hocassin is ready, all right? But this is what we're going to do. I'm going to say a word, and you are going to say another word that is connected to the one that I say, all right? So I'm going to say a word, and I want you to say the connection that comes to mind, okay? First thing, Batman and Robin. See, you guys are awake. I knew it. All right, Batman and Robin. Second one, this is for all of my ladies in the room, all right? Ladies and Gentlemen, this side of the room, got it. This side, I don't know, not so much. We'll try that again, okay? Next one is rock and 
Roll, there you go. All right, last one, easiest one, okay? Save the easiest for last. Peanut butter and jelly. jelly. There you go. Give yourselves a round of applause, all right? You did it. If you are watching from your couch, give yourself a round of applause if you participated, all right? And so when it comes to connections like peanut butter and jelly, I'm very familiar with this. I've got a five-year-old son whose daily diet consists pretty much solely of peanut butter and jelly, and he is insistent that his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches have an equal amount of peanut butter and jelly, all right? Like, very serious about this. A couple of days ago, I gave him his peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which for the record did have both of them on it. I handed it to him. He opened it, looked at it, immediately declared that there was not enough jelly on it, shamed me for not putting enough jelly on it, demanded that I go open the fridge, get the jelly out, and put more jelly on the sandwich. So if any of you have little kids, I know what it's like to feel like your whole life is dictated by a five-year-old, all right? So I went to the fridge, I got a peanut butter and jelly, and to be fair, once I did, and I put more jelly on in an equal amount, he looked at me and said, Mommy, I love you. You are the best mommy, which is how he makes up for like a really jacked up attitude and trying to, trying to teach you to tell me what to do all the time. But, you know, that demanding attitude aside, he knows what he wants. He knows when things go together and he'll do anything to get those things to go together. And so today we're going to look at something in the Bible, two things that go together, like peanut butter and jelly. And the first thing, the first part of the equation that we're looking at is joy. It's joy. And you may be thinking, well, hey, what, what goes with joy? It's not a connection that's as automatic as peanut butter and jelly. And I'm going to tell you the answer in a few minutes. But trust me when I say when you get this connection, it can change your life in all the right Ways. And so today we're going to see how this connection plays out in the life of a guy that we read about in the New Testament of the Bible. So we're going to jump in here. This is Luke chapter 19. It said, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Not a bad life, right? Guy had become very rich. So let's talk a little bit, this background about our guy, Zach, that we're going to learn about today. So he was the chief tax collector. So think basically the chief operating officer of a regional office of the IRS, okay? That's, that's kind of what his role is. But in Zach's day, the IRS worked a little bit differently because the Roman government would hire, um, they would hire people like Zach to collect money from the people in all the nations that they had conquered. And so these tax collectors would collect tax from the people to send to, to the Romans, but then they were able to charge a fee on top of that, and whatever the fee was on top of that, they got to keep for themselves. So I always think about it like this. You know when you go to buy a ticket to a, you know, a concert or a baseball game, and the, you know, you're on Ticketmaster, and the ticket costs $80, and then all of a sudden with processing fees, it's like $105. That's what these guys did. They made a living off of the processing fees. So people did not really like them very much. They could charge whatever they wanted, and Zach was really good at this. He climbed the ladder, he became chief, and the Bible tells us that in the process, he became very rich. And even though he was financially rich, he found himself spiritually poor. 
And a lot of people do. Maybe some of you who are here today or, or watching online find yourself in that place. And maybe some of us, we may not think of ourselves as rich, but we've got everything that we need. Our bills are paid. We've got some extra. We choose what we drive or where we go on vacation. And so that was Zach. So he kind of had it all on the surface. He had happiness on the surface, but he knew that underneath something was missing. He was missing a real purpose and the joy that comes with that purpose. And he started to find that the more money he made, the emptier he felt. But thankfully, there was this guy named Jesus coming through town, and that was about to change everything for him. So this is what it says next. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, when it comes to being very short, I can relate to Zach on a deep level. So fun fact, it took about 10 minutes yesterday. We had to lower this TV so that I could preach off of it this week. They had tools out. They're trying to lower the TV. People ask me how tall I am, and I say five foot one on a good day, which is a lie, because I'm just like five foot nothing on every day. Um, and so I know what it's like. Like, I, I have been known to monkey climb up, like, a kitchen counter so I can reach something off of the top shelf, like a bowl that I need. I've been there. I really cannot imagine a life of a tall person. Like, you just see what you want, and then you take it, and you don't have to risk your life climbing on a kitchen counter. Like, what is that like? Tell me everything. So I understand Zach's struggle here. He is short. He wants to catch a glimpse of Jesus, but he can't do it because he's so short. And so he can't see over the crowd. And I want you to think, have you ever found yourself in a place like this? Maybe not a place where, where you're too physically short to get what you want, but a place where you see something that you really want, but you feel like you just can't get it. Maybe you don't um, have the time or feel like you have the talent or the experiences or the resources that you need to get what you really want and solve that problem in front of you. And I think some of us have allowed the things that we don't have to stop us from pursuing the things that we could have, from making a plan to figure it out. But not Zach, not this day. He said, no, I'm going to find a way to get to Jesus. And he knew he needed to change his vantage point if he wanted to see Jesus. And I think some of us can stay stuck in our own current problems because we don't step out to get a new perspective. We've got to do the work of changing our vantage point. And sometimes we're in a place where we want to welcome a new perspective. Things in our life are going so badly that we welcome any sort of change at all. But I think more often than not, we find ourselves in a place where we're, we're a little resistant to a new perspective because a new perspective will often require us to give up the one thing that we want above everything else, control, right? Comfort. And maybe you find yourself there today as, as you're gathering. You know, you're not quite sure when it comes to this perspective, you're not quite sure what you believe about God or about faith or about church. Somebody in your life kept inviting you. That's how you found yourself here today. And I want you to know that we're glad that you're here. Our church was actually designed for people just like you, people who are intrigued by Jesus. Because I don't know if you caught this, but Zach has not yet become a follower of Jesus. He's just curious. He's heard about this guy. He's heard about the miracles that he's performed, and, and he's intrigued. He's interested. 
And, uh, and so he decided he's going to get a look for himself. And so here's what happens next. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now, does anybody here or watching online have a name that people frequently mispronounce or just kind of forget altogether? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, some of you. I have like the world's simplest name, Abby, A-B-B-Y, very simple. When it comes to Starbucks baristas, they get very confused, I think, about how I have seen all sorts of spellings of that. And that can be so frustrating when people don't quite get our name right because there is something so special about being known by name. Something so personal. And that's what Jesus does for Zach in this moment. He calls him by name. And that's not just true for him. That's true for all of us. This is who Jesus is. He calls every single one of us by name. He seeks us out even when we're trying to hide from him. And he doesn't just seek us out out of obligation, like begrudgingly. He invites us into a real relationship with him, with him. He pursues us. He acknowledges us the same way that he acknowledges Zach in this story. And he's like, hey, he doesn't just call him by name. He's like, hey, dude, let's do this thing. I'm coming to your house, which I would assume Zach's wife is probably not thrilled about to learn at the last minute that Jesus is coming over for dinner. And so now Zach really does have a decision to make. Because up to this point, I mean, he, he made a plan, he chased after Jesus, but now that real question is on the table, is he going to accept Jesus' invitation or is he going to decide that maybe his life is not all that bad in the first place? Is he going to talk himself out of it, telling, him that, telling himself he's got power, he's got wealth, maybe he's really not quite as empty as it feels. And so he has to make a decision, which it turns out that he does and he makes it pretty quickly. This is what it says next. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. And took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the other people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Haters going to hate, right? Like there's always people who are trying to say stuff like this. And so Zacchaeus answers this invitation to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, guess what? I'm in. And he's in with great excitement and joy. And so the first thing that we need to know this weekend is that finding Jesus always leads to joy. Those are two things. That's a connection that Jesus and joy go together. And I'm not just talking about joy as this, this temporary outward comfort. It's this strong, everlasting, eternal joy that we have from knowing Jesus as leader and Lord of our lives. And so for those of us who have been maybe following Jesus for a while, I, I want us to ask ourselves this weekend, do we still have joy? Do we still have joy? Do we still respond to Jesus' everyday invitation with excitement and with joy? Or have we let ourselves compromise our joy on the altar of less than ideal circumstances? Have we been in that place of joy? Because sometimes having joy from knowing the Lord does not feel all that joyful. That's the truth. And look at what happens 
to Zach here. As soon as he makes a decision to follow Jesus, what happens? Haters gonna hate. The people start complaining and they're grumbling and they're not pleased because they're like, hey, nobody likes this guy. He has taxed us. He's taken money from us and our families. And now Jesus is gonna meet this guy and go to dinner at his house. Like what's going on? That's messed up. These are people who had spent their whole lives trying to do the right thing by the law. And so they're, they're all up in arms. And if we're honest, I think some of us may share this perspective of the disgruntled crowd. Now, we never admit it in church. We probably never admit it publicly because we don't want to be seen as judgmental. But sometimes, listen, especially some of us who've been following Jesus for a while, sometimes we get uncomfortable with the real message of Jesus. Because we want a sanitized version of Jesus, right? We want one that fits into our picture of the life that we've envisioned. We want a faith that keeps us in control, not one that challenges or makes us change our perceptions and requires us to not just tolerate but love the people around us that the world says is less than. But thankfully, the good news is that Jesus does not give any of us what we deserve because all of us have sinned. We've all thought, said, and done things that are less than God's best for us. And some of us are more notorious sinners than others, but that's the one thing that we all share in common. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can become perfect through our own efforts. That's why we need a savior like Jesus. And so Zach recognizes that. And listen, this is how he responds to Jesus's invitation. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, which you know he has, all right, he says, I will give them back four times as much. So I want you to think about how do you respond when somebody gives you a gift? Now, it may depend somewhat on your personality, but I think it also depends on how great the gift is. And Zach knew in this moment that he was receiving a great gift. And so he responded in a big way. Way Because remember, finding Jesus leads to joy. And here's the connection that we've got to catch this weekend. Joy leads to generosity. That was his response. And so just like my five-year-old son knows that peanut butter and jelly go together in equal measure, we find out Zach is telling us that, hey, joy and generosity go together in equal measure. When we have the joy of the Lord within us, we can't help but be generous to the world around us. That's just how it works. It's a response. It's an overflow. And you got to notice that Jesus did not ask Zach to respond in any specific way. Zach offered this seemingly over-the-top proposal out of a genuine response to the grace of God in his life, he did not grudgingly respond to Jesus' kindness with scarcity. Like, okay, what is the bare minimum I can offer to get in good with God? No, he did not do that. He embraced abundance. He responded with great joy. He said, hey, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. And this is legitimate wealth, 50%. Think about giving 50% of everything that you have. God did not ask him for that. And God asked him and all of us to give his first 10%. It's something that the Bible calls a tithe. And it's our way of acknowledging that God is in control of every area of our lives, including our finances. And we trust him 
to provide for us in that. But Zach in this moment is so full of joy and excitement that he gives above and beyond his tithe. Like a lot of above and beyond. It's something that we're all going to have an opportunity to do the second weekend in November as a church as part of our Christmas offering. And so everything that we give that weekend doesn't stay here. Everything that we give is used to go outside these walls and make a difference in the world around us. It goes to launching locations and feeding more hungry people. Last year, our Christmas offering went towards building a food distribution center on the back of our Newark location. And listen to this, since the beginning of 2021, you have given away 75 tons of healthy quality food to families in Journey City. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. And that's what our generosity accomplishes together. And so then he says, well, hey, 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 that's not enough. I'm going to keep giving. He says, hey, if I have cheated people, I will give them back four times as much. Now, I am much better with words than I am with math, but even I know four times as much is a lot of much, right? He's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to keep giving. And I think some of us may be trying to drum up a desire to be generous or to do the right thing, but we've got to remember for all of us who have been changed by the power of Jesus, we don't have to drum up energy anymore because we've got God's spirit living inside of us. We simply have to reset our perspective and remember what Jesus did for us and then respond to the grace that he's shown us. And if you're having some trouble drumming up some energy to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you, re-examine some of your habits. This is what Pastor Mark talked about last week. And I've had times in my life where I've had to drum up energy. And in those moments of reflection, I realized, hey, I'm not putting myself in a position to experience the presence of God. So sometimes we've got to change our perspective. We've got to change our vantage point. Because this is the life that followers of Jesus are meant to live. Jesus tells us, another place in the Bible that he came so that we could have a rich and satisfying life. And here's what I've discovered. A rich and satisfying life is not one that's all about us and what we have. It's a life that's focused on the people around us. It, now, it doesn't make sense. I like to call it God math, but it's a life that the more that we give, the more that we receive, only in God's economy. That's how it works. That's the rich life. And this is part of our heart as a church around what we call Code Red, our missions and outreach in initiative. We don't just serve our community to, to do the right thing or do good. We serve those near us who need us because we have the model of Jesus, leader and Lord of our lives, who came not to be served but to serve and make a difference in the lives of other people. And so when we find Jesus, it leads to joy, and joy leads to generosity. And then look at this, generosity turns the world right side up. This changes everything. And Jesus is about to write Zach's world. He says this to him. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. He came for Zach. He came for me. He came for you. And we're going to talk about this gift of salvation in just a moment. But first, let's start with a quick reminder of who this Abraham guy is. Uh, and 
we talked about this a few weeks ago in our Mind Games series, but Abraham was the first person that God called to be the father of a nation of people called the Israelites, God's chosen people. And so that was the nation that God would eventually give his law to. So before Jesus came, people tried to show that they were really devoted to God. They were true sons and daughters of Abraham by how well they followed the rules, how well they obeyed the law. But then Jesus came and he changed everything. He died for us. He rose again. And now anyone who believes in him belongs to God. That's good news. And that's the news that Zach is receiving this day. And it's so important for us to catch this. That Zach did not receive salvation from Jesus because he was generous. That's not the way it works. Salvation is a free gift for all of us, which means even playing field. Doesn't matter who we are, what we've done, what we haven't done, how notorious of a sinner that we are. Salvation is a free gift for all of us. We all have access to God through believing in Jesus. And because Jesus leads to joy, our joy leads to generosity. And joy and generosity, listen, are not the source of our salvation, but they are confirmation of it. Never hear actions speak louder than words. That's what this means. Generosity shows the world that we are followers of Jesus because finding Jesus leads to joy and joy to generosity and generosity turns our world right side up. That's what it's all about. And some of us may be thinking, okay, well, I don't know about all of this. Like, I'm generous. I don't really need to believe in Jesus to be generous, do I? Like, what gives? And you're right. You don't have to believe in Jesus to be generous. People can be generous without Jesus. They do it all the time. But it's generosity that's circumstantial. It's not based in real Joy. It's not the strong, everlasting joy that will sustain you through breakups and bankruptcy, through depression and a cancer diagnosis. The true kind of joy that sustains you through anxiety and addiction because true joy does not have to drum up generosity. When you believe in Jesus, your generosity is not dependent on how you feel. It is a response to what God has already done in and through our lives. And so in another place in the Bible, Jesus puts it this way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Our good deeds are not evidence that we're good. Our good deeds are evidence that the God we serve is good. That's why we do what we do. That's what it's all about. And when we started Code Red over a decade ago in our church, it was started with this deep conviction that we wanted to serve the people near us who need us. We wanted our community to miss us if we were gone. Not miss our church building, but miss the people, the everyday ordinary people being the hands and feet of Jesus to people in our city who were struggling and spiritually poor, financially poor. And so it was based out of this desire that we would raise up this generation of everyday, ordinary people on a mission to change the world. And now our church is full of those ordinary people. It's people like a guy named Rick who started serving at our Sunday Breakfast Mission J Group a few years ago. And he started meeting these men who were desperate for hope. 
So he figured out a way where he could get the journey shuttle every Sunday morning, drive to Wilmington, pick up these men, drive them back here so that they could gather on a weekend. And now those guys have put their faith in Jesus and gotten baptized. And some of them are serving all because of Rick's everyday ordinary decision. We've got ordinary people in our church like a guy named Zach who is so passionate about fighting addiction throughout our community, that he's raised up a team of leaders, leading recovery J-groups all throughout Journey City, not just here at this building at Newark at the Journey, but in recovery homes all across our city. And in one of those recovery homes, in one of those groups, we met a guy named Greg who was so far from God. But he met some of the people in that group and started coming to the journey. And yeah, guess what? He put his faith in Jesus and he got baptized. And then he started bringing all three of his kids to journey kids. And now he is working in that fight against addiction. It was all about an ordinary decision. There's people in our church like Victoria who last year felt led to give in the Christmas offering, even though as she said, hey, I didn't really feel like I had any extra to give. So she gave out of faith, and when she did, she learned less than a week later that she was going to get a Christmas bonus from her company who had already told the whole company they weren't getting bonuses this year for Christmas. And that's how it works. And, and not only did she experience a miracle in her own life, she helped pave the way for us to feed hundreds and hundreds of families throughout Journey City this past year. They're ordinary people making a difference and their joy fuels their generosity and it's turning Journey City upside down. These ordinary people, Rick and Zach and Greg and Victoria, they're able to do what they do because of your generosity that paid for a shuttle and paid for a food distribution center and paid for ministry to happen every single weekend in Journey Kids. And in just a couple of minutes, I'm so excited about this, you're going to have an opportunity to see firsthand how your generosity is making an impact on a family in Journey City. But church, there are more hungry people to feed. There are more men to impact. There are more kids to teach about Jesus. And all of us are invited to be a part of it because we can show our broken, beat up city the love of Jesus through a very simple habit. It's through our giving. It's our generosity. And as a church, we decided, hey, we're going to go first. For over a decade, our church has had this commitment to give at least the first 10% of everything that's given here back outside, outside of these walls to make a difference in the world around us, in the city around us. And just a couple of months ago, we decided that that 10% is just a starting point for us. And so we made a commitment that over the next five years, that by the year 2025, we will be giving at least the first 15% back to the needs of people in our community because we know the people in this city need Jesus and we get to show them the love of Jesus because of the joy that he's already given us. I remember when I mentioned that Zacchaeus said he would give 50% of his wealth back to God. I mean, that was something that was big and bold. And some of you that are sweating right now, the good news is that's not something that God asks of all of us, at least not of most of us. But if we did, how would we respond? Would we trust him? Would we step out in faith and do something big and, and bold? Because no matter who we are, God asks all of us who believe in him to respond to his grace by putting him first 
in our lives with our time, our talent, our treasure. And if you're not quite sure what you believe about this whole God thing or faith thing, that's all right. Listen to me. We do not want your money. We do not want your money. That's not what this is all about. We want to we want to show you Jesus because for us who love Jesus, I mean, we're so grateful that we have the joy of living in a relationship with him. So we want you to just keep gathering and we want you to experience what what we get to experience. But for those of you and all of us who do know Jesus as leader and giving our first is is non-negotiable. It's our our way of saying, "God, I I trust you. I acknowledge you." And I know for some of us that may feel like a radical decision, especially if we've never started consistently giving. And I, I can understand at a deep level what that's like. When I got married at 22 years old, about 10 years ago, and my husband and I had just gotten married and we had over $125,000 of student loan debt, which I do not necessarily recommend as a financial strategy, but that's the situation we found ourselves in. And we were paying $1,600, $1,700 a month just in student loan debt. And we were barely making that at our entry level jobs. I mean, we just, we did not have any money. We were sleeping on a mattress on the floor of our apartment because we could not afford a bed. We're going to Aldi with a calculator and we did not have any extra. But I had made a decision a couple of years before that to, to put my faith in Jesus and so I had kept you know, gathering and, and reading his word and growing. And we just decided, hey, I don't know how, we don't know how it's gonna work out, but we wanna put God first. He says he's gonna provide for us, we gotta trust him. So we set up reoccurring giving. We just set it up so automatically, every time we got paid, that money would go back to what matters to God because I had to treat it like a bill, honestly. Because if I didn't, this is what would happen. We had great intentions about being generous and great intentions about giving, but then we would get to the end of the month and there was no more money left to give. So we flipped the script. We decided we were going to do it first and it was not always easy. And it certainly did not always feel joyful. There were times when it felt really hard when we didn't know if we were gonna make ends meet that month. But I do not have the time to tell you the hundreds of ways that God has blessed our family in the last decade, all by making that decision. He's blessed us in, in so many ways, not just financially, although a couple of years ago, somebody gave us a king size bed, all right? So don't tell me that he can't do it. We went from sleeping on a mattress to somebody giving us a king size bed because we responded to God. So I want you to ask yourself this weekend, how are you responding to God? Are you letting your desire for control and comfort keep you on the sidelines of serving? Decide that today is going to be your last day. Go to Plugged In this weekend. Start serving on the JT. Make a difference. Maybe for you, you're letting an awkward interaction with a neighbor or a coworker stop you from inviting them to experience God. Decide that today is going to be your last day. Invite them with the same excitement that Zach had running up that tree. Decide that you're going to respond to God. Are you allowing your fear and your finances keep you from doing what God has asked you to do and faithfully trusting him? Decide that today is going to be your last day. You're going to trust him. You're going to put him first. You're going to set up reoccurring giving because church, I want you to know 
that when we make what matters to God matter to us, God makes what matters to us matter to him. And we get to live this crazy, generous life, not just towards other people, but we get to receive the generosity that God has for us. And if you needed that reminder this weekend, this prompting to respond to what God is asking you to do, laying aside your fear and stepping out with faith, would you just raise your hand? I wanna pray over us this weekend, yeah. So God, we just open our hearts to you and we thank you for being such a generous God. We thank you that you are so full of joy and generosity. And God, I just pray right now, whatever in our lives we are holding on to, I pray that you will let us open our heart and our hands so that we can fill it with what you have for us. I pray that we don't let our own picture of what our lives can look like stop us from embracing the picture that you have for us God let us give up control in the name of Jesus so that we can experience joy and generosity and turning our world right side up together and as we all stay in this moment together maybe there are some of you today that are gathering that that find yourself in a place like Zach seems like you have everything that you need on the surface money, power, influence, wealth, maybe just kind of maintaining the, the status quo, but you know deep down inside something's missing. You don't have that eternal joy. You don't have that purpose. And if that's you today, I wanna invite you into a life-giving relationship with God, because listen, you don't have to go and do a bunch of things to get in right with God. You simply have to say yes to his invitation to make Jesus leader and Lord of your life. And so as I pray again in a moment, if that's you, I wanna encourage you to pray. You can use my words or you can use your own, but let's pray over this together. God, we come to you again. Lord, we are so grateful that you are leader and Lord of our lives. In this moment, I give up control. I surrender my sin, my comfort, my control and I want to do life with you I want to experience that real everlasting joy and as we all just stay focused in this moment together if if that's you if you decided today is my day to put my faith in Jesus will you just raise your hand if you're in the room at Hocassin raise your hand yeah if you're online you can just type faith in the chat that's the most important decision that you're ever going to make. You can put those hands down in journey. Will you help me celebrate people putting their faith in Jesus today?